بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على محمد النبي الأمين الخاتم المبين وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تبعوا بإحسان إلى يوم الدين اللهم إنك نور السماوات اللهم إنك نور السماوات والأرض ومن فيهن أنت الحي القيم اللهم لا لنا إلا أنت ومتك لنا إلا عليك أنت مصرف الأمور فاجعلنا في عينيك يا الله يا كريم يا رحمن We always start in the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most compassionate, the most gracious, the omnipotent, the powerful, the owner of the heavens and the earth, the owner of the world in which we dwell. The one who gave us the most sacred trust, a covenant. The trust is that we inherit the earth and the physical material world. And we inherit the earth and the physical material world so that we can discharge our obligations and we can take care of what belongs to God in God's name, achieving God's purposes. <coughs> this is the basic relationship. It's a covenantal relationship. There is a covenant between us, human beings, and the Lord. The Lord is the creator of the laws of nature, the very material, the very basic elements from the smallest to the biggest that defines the world in which we live. And it was entrusted to us. It was given to us as a trust and a sacred one at that. And it is a very basic and simple and straightforward formula. What we do on this earth, we either do it in God's name, and then it is part of discharging our obligation and our covenant towards God, or we don't do it in God's name and then we are transgressors. And if we do it in God's name, 
then it must be within the objectives and purposes set out for us by God. If you own something and you entrust it to a trustee and you are the owner, you have the right to tell the entrusted party this is what I want you to do and this is not what and this is what I don't want you to do. This is the basic reality of a believer. A believer is aware that you exist in this universe as a trustee discharging obligations because nothing, nothing in the material world, not your body, not nature, not the skies, not the earth, not the oceans, not the rivers, are in fact yours. They all have an owner and that owner is the one and only And because they have an owner, you function with this, within this universe as a trustee. <coughs> a wise trustee would read the terms of the trust, would pay attention. Because a trustee who doesn't take care of a trust is a transgressor. We all, at some level or another, know this. But indeed, we forget. We often forget. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, a message that Allah has repeated in the Torah and in the Injil, in the New Testament, in different phrases and words, but it is the ba same basic message. Ya yuhallazina amanu kunu qawwameen qawwameena bukust shuhada' lillah Believers O believers, you who believe, you who are aware that you are entrusted with a secret trust, establish justice. Establish justice on this earth. And establish justice and in doing so, bear witness to God. Bear witness to God. Because every time justice is established, God is sanctified and beautified. And the, con and the converse, the opposite, is also true. Every time there is injustice, 
every time there is injustice, God, the name of God, is vilified and blasphemed. Allah instructed us in the most simple and straightforward terms. Repeatedly, Allah لا يحب الظالمين Allah does not love the unjust. Allah condemns injustice. God condemns inequity. Condemns ignorance. Condemns corruption on earth and if said from art. Telling us when all is said and done, when you are done with your life on this earth, I will hold you accountable for the instances in your life where you upheld justice and upheld ma'roof when you upheld goodness, beauty, and those times in which you failed to do so and failed to bear witness. I will tell you something that is critically important, but often overlooked. In Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, In Surah Al-Ma'idah chapter 5, Allah says, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, kunu, kunu qawwamina lillah shuhada'a bil-qasd. In Surah Al-Nisa, Allah says, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, kunu qawwamina bil-qasd shuhada'a lillah. So in the first, in the Ma'idah, Allah says to believers, to those who recognize that they are entrusted, Establish justice and bear witness in the name of Allah. In Nisa, Allah tells us changes the formula. And Allah says, Be upright in upholding your obligations towards Allah and bear witness for justice. So in the first, Allah says, establish justice, bear witness for Allah. In the second, Allah says, establish, as if Allah says, establish divinity and bear witness for justice. What is the implication here? What is the message? The interchangeability between divinity and justice. In, again, 
In Al-Ma'idah, Allah says, Uphold justice, bear witness for Allah. In the second, Allah says, Uphold Allah and bear witness for justice. Between these two, it is clear that without justice, you do not have divinity. In the same way that without divinity, you cannot really have justice. That is what becomes settled or should be settled in the heart of a Muslim. The idea of a Muslim who is who lives in injustice is antithetical to the very notion of divinity. You negate divinity by indulging in injustice. And while justice in a, is an objective concept, its application its application is contextual and circumstantial. So what counts as justice in one age and time and place doesn't count as justice in an ever in a, in a different age, time and place. The nature of justice is that justice, in fact, is not blind. Blind justice is not justice at all. But Allah, even when Allah acknowledges the intimate interlinking between justice and divinity, And that there is simply no way to discharge the covenant unless you acknowledge both divinity and justice. You cannot discharge the covenant if you do not recognize the owner, the, the, the trustee, the one who created the trust and gave you your charge and your obligations. But at the same time, in the same way that you cannot discharge your trust without recognizing the divine owner, you cannot discharge this obligation without recognizing that what the owner wants is justice. And it is incumbent upon you as the, the human being entrusted with creation to consistently concern yourself with what is justice. Allah then gave us parameters for that justice because Allah speaks to rational human beings. 
if we were cattle, if we were cattle without reason, if we were not spiritual beings without wisdom, without spiritual power, the way Allah would talk to us would be very different. But because we're rational beings, when Allah says do not cause corruption on earth, there is an implied relationship here is that the addressee, the person that is being addressed, human beings, have an implied duty of basic due diligence in understanding what corruption on earth would mean. But Allah gave us guidelines. So Allah, for instance, said, made it very clear that if the poor, the orphan, the wayfarer is not fed and taken care of, that's corruption on earth. Can any Muslim deny that that has been made clear? Allah has made it very clear that if you don't take care of your neighbors and you don't have good relations with your neighbors, then that's corruption on earth. Allah has made very clear that if you don't honor your parents and respect your parents, that that's corruption on earth. Allah has made very clear that sexual promiscuous sexual relations and adultery and fornication is corruption. So Allah gave us many guidelines, ethical, moral guidelines, to help us recognize and think through this obligation of establishing divinity and bearing witness for justice and establishing with justice bearing witness for Allah. One of the things that Allah made very, very clear is that Allah tells us, وَمَنْ يَقْتِلْ مُؤْمِنًا مُتَعَمِّدًا فَجَزَاؤُهُ In the first society, جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدًا فِيهَا وَغَضِبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَلَعَنَهُ وَأَعَدَّ لَهُ عَزَابًا عَظِيمًا If you kill a believer, if you murder a believer intentionally, what, is, what are the consequences? Listen to this. Reflect on this from Surah Al-Nisa 92. If you kill a believer, and a believer here means a human being, and in another context we can explain why a believer means a human being. But, but even more so, if this is a person that you know to be someone who recognizes the divine covenant and the relationship of entrustment. What are the results 
if you kill a human being intentionally, Jahannam Khalidan Fiha, hellfire, Waghiballahu Alayh, and Allah's wrath. And Allah curses him or her. And great torment. So hellfire, God's wrath, and being cursed by Allah. Three consequences. Each one worse than the other. Hellfire. God's wrath, God denies that person mercy. And God curses. Now, we talk about text. How could Allah have made it more clear that murder is inexcusable? That killing is inexcusable. How could have Allah explained to us more clearly that if a Muslim kills another Muslim, or if a believer kills another believer, or if a believer kills a human being? All the cases. That the consequences are so grave in the Quran, not even Kufr has this cumulative three consequences. The only time you have this cumulative three consequences, Jahannam, Hellfire, God's wrath, and being cursed forever outside God's mercy is only reserved to murder. If so, in the name of Allah, I ask you, how can it be that everywhere we turn around, we see Muslims killing Muslims? If God tells us, you know what? You, prayer, fasting, whatever you do, if you kill, you are outside of God's mercy. If Muslims understood this, the, I, the, the possibility of a, of a Muslim thinking of killing another Muslim or a Muslim killing a human being would come to an end because it is the definition of corruption on earth. Now, unfortunately, this is not all just theory. I wish it was. The gravest situation of all is when the powerful and omnipotent 
kills the Mustadaf, kills the powerless, kills that who cannot even defend himself or herself. <coughs> the worst situation of all is a taghut, is that situation where the powerful targets and murders the mustadaf, the oppressed on earth. If you are a Muslim, you understand that if you live in a situation where those who are powerful are able to kill the disempowered with impunity, then the breach against God's covenant is so fundamental and so thorough that you live in the midst of absolute corruption. You live in the midst of absolute corruption. If you are a Muslim, you would understand That when Allah says, bear, establish justice and bear witness, then that you have no choice but to stand up and resist. And to speak on behalf of the disempowered and oppressed. If you fail to speak on the behalf of the disempowered and oppressed, and especially when you fail to do so, even though there is no imminent threat to you personally, in other words, no one is going to kill you or hurt you, and you still fail to do so, then nothing is left of your Islam. Then you are an Islam Muslim technically. Then you are a Muslim by performance only, but not by truth and not by substance, not by beauty and not by justice. I say this because we are living in a very serious moment with very serious, serious problems. Not only are Muslims being murdered all around the world at a rate never seen in history in China and in Burma and, and all over the Middle East and, and not, not only that. But as you know, I do a lot of work in the field of human rights. <clears throat> and Muslims, after the so-called the, the, what they refer to as the Arab Spring, which is basically a movement of people in which Muslims d demanded the right to self-determination. And Mustabiddin of Al-Ard, those who are true despots, who are in power, have commenced a campaign of repression and persecution that is unprecedented in history. Muslims have been put to death in Yemen, in Libya, in Syria, in Egypt, 
I was working on the case of a, one of the people who was executed in Egypt, a man who won a bronze medal in the last Olympics for boxing. Bronze medal representing his country, Egypt, and he had a beautiful voice and he used to do religious tawashih. Sing, his name was Ahmad Maher Hindawi, who had nothing to do with the crime committed. And in fact, he was in police custody at the time that the crime he was accused of was committed. But it didn't matter because he had certain ideas, and religious and political ideas. The government didn't care, tortured him to death, tortured him, sentenced him to death, and executed him. Recently in Saudi, there were 37 people executed. The world didn't care. Why? Because they're mostly Shia. A Muslim can't live with that. If you think that, oh, because they're mostly Shia, then I'm not going to worry about it, then you are not a Muslim. The people who were executed in Egypt had no consequences whatsoever for the way that the president of Egypt was received in the United States and in Europe and in the United Nations, Abdel Fattah Sisi, if that doesn't keep you awake at night, then there is something wrong with your Islam. Then you don't understand God's message about the oppressed on earth and murder and justice. Now the biggest calamity is we then get news that after Ramadan, Saudi plans, Saudi Arabia plans to execute three very important Muslim scholars. Salman al-Oda, Awad al-Qarni, or Garni as, as the Saudis pronounce it, and Ali al-Omri, or al-Amri. Now, I'll tell you, people like Awad al-Qarni and Salman al-Oda and Ali al-Amari, these three people are, represent the moderate face of Wahhabi Islam. Their views, as far as Wahhabi understandings of Islam go, are the most moderate and tolerant. They represent, whether you agree with them or not, that's not the point, but they represent the idea of specialists in Islamic sciences. In other words, there are Muslim scholars that became very influential, very widespread, very famous. But there is a development in our Muslim world 
of great importance and great consequence that all of us must be aware of. Islam is being split into two groups. It is not about terrorism versus non-terrorism. It is not about Muslim Brotherhood versus non-Muslim Brotherhood. It's not about secular versus religious. It is about those Muslims who are willing to tolerate injustice and say our duty is to do our prayers fast our Ramadan and do nothing else. And those who are not willing to tolerate injustice. What is the crime that Aad al-Qarni and Salman Oda and Al-Amari have been accused of so that Saudi Arabia plans to put them to death after Ramadan? Quite simply, they dared disagree with the rulers of Saudi Arabia. They dared disagree about Qatar, about Saudi policy towards Iran, about the Arab Spring, and about what they call political Islam. They dared say we don't have an obligation to obey the ruler if the ruler commands us commit, to commit a sin. That we, we, we obey, but as long as he doesn't order us to commit a sin. They, they dared say that. This is a historical moment of grave consequence. Because it is as if the powers of Ifsadful Ard, the powers of corruption on this earth, are saying to Muslims, forget all this stuff about a covenant and bearing witness and establishing justice. Forget all of that. Your role is to do your salah and fast your Ramadans and don't concern yourself with issues of justice and social policy and equity and fairness and democracy, Islam doesn't involve any of that. Just keep that to yourself, or if you want to talk about it, don't bring God into it. That is the symbolic significance. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وسبحانه الله العلي العظيم ونصلي ونسلم ونبارك على محمد الخاتم النبي الخاتم الأمين The issue brothers and sisters is not political Islam versus political Islam versus non-political Islam the issue is a living Islam versus a dead Islam. There are rulers, like the rulers of Egypt and Saudiya and the Emirat, who want an orderless, tasteless, soundless Islam. 
And Islam not about a covenant, not about justice, not about establishing ethics in the public sphere or any sphere. And Islam that you just keep to yourself. And let despotism live unhampered and unchallenged. That is why they oppose, Saudi and Emirat have spent money to even to try to get the Muslims who were elected to Congress in the U.S. unelected. That's why they even oppose them. Because they see American Islam that is politically involved, that, can, that even worries about issues of social justice as dangerous to them. They want, again, not a non-political Islam versus group. They want a dead Islam. And Islam that cares about whether you use a miswak or not miswak, while doesn't care about who's in prison, who gets tortured, who gets executed, doesn't care about any of that. That is the significance. Again, whether I agree with Salman al-Oda or Awad al-Qarni or al-Amri or not, is not the point. In, I would, I, I, debating them, disagreeing with them, is something that I wish to do when they are free of their prisons and free of oppression. But when their lives are threatened, I stand by them because I am an ethical Muslim. And so should you. Now why am I talking about this? Because it confounds me. It confounds me that the news about their possible or their likely execution after Ramadan comes out. And who is speaking the loudest about it? Non-Muslims. Muslims and their Jum'ahs and their khutbahs, not a word. Not only that, but most American and British and European Muslims follow Imams who are close to Saudi and the Emirat and Egypt. One of the most famous American Imams says, I am, I, it is my honor to have a close relationship with the Emirat. When the Emirat and Saudi have sold out Jerusalem and sold out the Palestinians and opposed democracy and justice and through everything that represents equity and ethics and morality and justice in, from, from a Muslim Islamic perspective in prison. And yet you will find American Muslims in the thousands follow that Imam and highly regard him. That is not Islam. If that is Islam, who wants to be a Muslim? Islam is about justice and ethics. And Allah is about justice and ethics. Not about hijab and salah and psalm. These are but means to an end. Your salah should make you a warrior for justice. And if it doesn't, then you don't understand what salah is about. Allah tells us This is Ali Umran. 
those who kill prophets and those who kill people who command justice, who pursue justice, they are promised by Allah nothing but damnation. Let me put it very simply and what I want and what I'm getting at. People, if Salman al-Auda, Auda Garni, and Al-Amri are put to death, the legitimacy of Saudiya as the guardian of the holy two holy sites is null and void. They have no right over the holy sites. And Muslim must demand that the care, the guardianship of the holy sites be turned over to a consortium or a confederacy of Muslim states, or even, I don't care, even a, a UN body that is not marred in injustice and in blood. If Saudiya murders these scholars, I urge Muslims around the world to boycott Hajj and Umrah because they already discriminate against Palestinians. They already discriminate against the Turks. They already discriminate against Iranians. They already have committed a genocide in Yemen. They are already working with the oppressors in Sudan against the people of Sudan. They are working with the oppressors in Tunisia against the people of Tunisia. The leadership of Saudi has become a force of corruption on earth and it's not Saudi it, it, I attack all corrupt governments equally. And so it is impossible. They are as this is as similar to when the Karabita occupied Mecca because their record is as bad as the Karamita, if you know who the Karamita were. They and the Karamita are one. If they kill people of that stature, then they've lost all moral claims over the holy site. I know I know that the Imams that talk about wudu and salah and hijab, they are the ones that are everyone follows, that everyone loves. And I know that I am practically one of the handful Muslims around the world that stands in Jum'ah and testifies on behalf of Allah for justice by condemning this ugliness and corruption for what it is. And I established an entire career critiquing and pointing the finger at the Wahhabis. And I recognize Ayyad al-Qarni and, and Salman and Salman and so on are Wahhabis. But when it comes to spilling blood, no. 
then I am willing to sacrifice my life to protect them because I am a Muslim that understands my obligations towards Allah. Regardless of all these disagreements, what kills me is that I am a minority. What kills me is that not too many Muslims are willing to speak their position and make it clear what Islam is about. Islam cannot be about oppression and injustice. Then that same Imam who's close to the Emirat says, well, you know, in Islam you can't, you can't rebel against a ruler. When you have an oppressor, all you have is subs. Just read my book on rebellion and Islamic law. Get an education. Islam is not about quietism and mysticism and the abandonment of ethics in the public sphere. Islam is about ethics in the public sphere. It is not about the rule of a church and it's not about a theocracy where a government takes power and rules in the names of Allah. That I, was, I would oppose and is as injustice and as corruption on earth. But the right of a Muslim to speak for justice, to pursue justice, how can you come and say, oh no, that is not part of Islam? Those people are killing our religion. They're murdering our faith. Not only are they making the Israeli occupation of Jerusalem permanent and selling out Al-Aqsa Mosque, but they are even more than that. They're not just selling out our geography, they are selling out our soul. And if Muslims where you can speak and not end up in Amni Dawla the, the, the same night or the next day, if Muslims in the West who have relative freedom and relative protection don't speak out, then who will? I can maybe forgive an Imam in Egypt who doesn't speak out because you know that that Imam, the minute they say anything, will be arrested, tortured, and murdered. Muslims who live in luxury in the West, what is their excuse? What is the excuse of Muslims who say, oh, this guy talks about depressing things. <coughs> I, I, I'm looking for a khutbah that would make me feel good about whatever. Pray with me. Pray with me that Allah... That Allah... Guides... Whoever has the power to rationality and justice and equity and, and morality and enough blood. They've already murdered 37 Shia and so many executions all over the Muslim world. Enough. And that Allah protects and that Allah somehow the lives and well-being of these scholars as well as so many others are saved because right now people like that are suffering horribly. Allahumma afu'anna, Allahumma arhamna, waghfir lana, Allahumma ahdina li aqraba min hadha rashada, Allahumma ahdina li aqraba min hadha rashada, Allahumma a'in muslimina fil ard, 
وأعن المستضعفين في الأرض وأعنا على إقامة القسط والعدل إنك أنت العلي العظيم الرحمن الرحيم الله We pray to you that you guide us so that we become better Muslims and uphold your covenant and bear witness for justice in your sake, Ya Allah. Allah, save and help the oppressed and help their families. Allah, save those whose necks are in grave danger and whose lives are in grave danger. So that shaitan, so that shaitan, so that the devil does not keep getting his way among Muslims, Ya Rabbi. Mm -hmm.